Good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. For those who are here in person, those who are online, I know many are sick. For those who are online, I hope you are on your couch with a cozy blanket and maybe your favorite stuffed animal because I know some of you have them out there. But um, before we continue, let's, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. May God encourage us and comfort us by the word he has today. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for being our Lord and our Savior. Lord, we, we gather in your name. We gather in your name to praise you for giving us life itself, for going to the cross for our sins, your death, burial, and resurrection, and saving us when we cried out to be saved. Lord, we praise your name, and we gather in your name to, to hear your word, Lord. It's not our word, Lord. Lord, I need your help today. My voice is a little shot. Um, I need your help. Every preacher needs your help, Lord, because you're the one who has to guide it by your Holy Spirit, Lord. And you put a message upon my heart on something that's really touched me, that's encouraged me and comforted me, and I pray that you would help me relay that to the rest of my brothers and sisters today. That the words that are shared would encourage and comfort us, Lord, as you walk out these doors this morning. So we just pray all these things, and we praise you in your most precious name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you a personal story today about a walk that I took. I've always been a per per perfectly private person mostly in my life, but the Lord wanted me to share this story with you because it's something personal. So I took this walk in 2021. It was a Wednesday afternoon on August 17th. I was working that day, and after one of my meetings, the girls were out doing errands, Kate and the girls were doing errands, and I was home alone, and I said to myself, I just need to get out of the house and clear my air, clear, clear my head. You know, we need to get fresh air sometimes. And it wasn't a walk that I planned that night, the night before, or a walk I planned that day. It wasn't a walk that I planned to get some exercise or burn some calories. You know Thanksgiving's coming up, right? And you have to kind of save room for the dessert. It wasn't one of those days where I was saving room for dessert. Maybe Caitlin was making some of her famous chocolate chip cookies, and I thought, maybe I'll have three chocolate chip cookies instead of two. No, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those kind of walks. It wasn't a walk because I wanted to see the sights and sound in my area. I didn't want to go see anything. It wasn't a walk where I wanted to list something on my iPhone, a message or a song. I was taking this walk on this day because I was sad. I was downcast. I was stunned. You see, 24 hours earlier, the day before, my family had an unexpected family loss. That came out of nowhere. So I thought, you know, Lord, I need to take a walk. And so I did. So picture with me as I take my walk, I, I get my tennis shoes on, I, I go through the garage, close the garage door, and I start walking through my neighborhood. And in my neighborhood, there's a lot of green belts of grass and paths that lead between the homes. So I followed one path that leads to a road where only the people that drive on that road, it's, it's old Black Hawk Road in Danville, for those who know the area. And if you cross that road, you, you go over to a, a, a bridge, and the bridge is over a stream. And if you go right of the bridge, it goes behind a cul-de-sac of homes, which lead to a pathway up the hills. And these beautiful hills, you look down at the homes below you. So about a half a mile into my walk, I arrive at the bottom of the first hill. And it's kind of like a 45-degree angle where, kind of like when you're in a roller coaster, you start going up. You know how that feels. And I started my journey up the hill. And I walked about 15 minutes up and down the hills. And in the distance, I saw a bench and thought to myself, I'm going to reach that bench and have a seat. So I got to the bench and I sat down 
about a half an hour later, and I thought to myself, I'm sad, I'm downcast, I'm a little stunned. You can even say a little depressed, and Christians, we have moments like that, don't we? I thought, well, maybe I'll read something in my word, but nothing really hit me at the moment. I thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll listen to a song. So I pulled up one of my songs on my phone, and I listened to it, but there's nothing there. I thought, well, I'll pray, because, Lord, we always should pray, right? But at that moment, I didn't know what to pray, right? And sometimes we don't know what to pray. We just sit there. And I sat there, and I said these words out loud. I said, Lord, are you here? Lord, are you here? Perhaps because I just wanted some big present moment, right? The wind blows by, the sun shines on you. But as soon as I asked that question, I quickly answered my question. I I remember bowing down, and again, I said this out loud. I said, Lord, of course you're here. You're always here. There's something beautiful about that statement, that Jesus is always here. And someone could say, well, it's a no-brainer. God's powerful. He's he's everywhere at all times. We know our scripture. He'll never leave us, forsake us. We know our songs. But there's sometimes in our lives where we need to pause and be still. When we get hit with an experience like my family did, where Satan attacks you out of the blue and hits you at your knees, because it does happen, brothers and sisters, doesn't it? And I know many of you here have experienced a lot in your lives and can relate to that. But there's times in our life where we really need to be still and bask in his presence. In the still of the night where there's tears, where no one else sees it, but maybe you on your pillow. Or maybe you're crying on the, on the road, driving somewhere. Maybe you cry with family. When there is sadness and frustration, that we need to cling to him. That we may feel the Lord's presence in our ultimate time of need. You know, I think about the Lord. I think about how he's always there. He, he, he's that hand that reaches out and says, grab it, Rick, when you need it. When you need a warm embrace, he'll give it to you. When you have tears that are flowing, he wipes them and counts them with compassion. And when you are on your knees and you can't get up, he is there to gently pick you up and encourage you to walk. And then there's times when you're on your knees and you can't get up, and Jesus is still there. He gently carries you through your day. In that moment, the title of my message today is the Lord is Jesus is always here. So I invite you, let's take a walk through scripture today and have a taste where Jesus shows that he's always there, always has been, always will be. So that when we walk out this building today, that we have that praise in our hearts, that we can say, Jesus, you're always here for me. So I have five portions of scripture today that I hope that you enjoy as we take our walk today. And it's amazing how this message came together because these five portions of Scripture are one of my five favorite portions of Scripture, which is amazing. But that's how the Lord works. You can't really start with this topic about Jesus is always here without starting from the beginning. So the first point, Jesus was there in creation. Let's read Colossians chapter 1. A lot of great Bible verses about the Lord being there in the beginning in Genesis and other portions of Scripture the Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, I'll read today. And the Bible says, He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. There's a Christian song titled, I Am. I'm going to read some of its lyrics. It says, I am the maker of heavens. I am the bright morning star. I am the breath of creation who always was and is to come. The author and perfecter, beginning and the end, I am. We worship the creator. We don't worship just a man. Who better to be by your side? The most powerful, the most wise, the most caring. Who better to watch over you? Who better have a relationship with than the creator of all things? And I know many here, like I said before, have gone through a lot in their lives. And you can say, you know, the Lord got me through that. Well, he's the creator. Isn't that beautiful to think about that? Jesus was there in creation. You know, I think about creation, I think about what the Lord hasn't allowed us to discover. You think about the depths in the sea, what fish are, what fish are down that the Lord hasn't allowed us to discover yet, or, or animal that's out there in the Amazon or insects, because you know it probably is. You think about the sky and the vastness of the space, what's out there? You think about all the diseases in the world, the Lord has a cure for them all, because he's the creator. So let's get more intimate in our walk. That's the first point, Jesus is there at creation. Second point, Jesus was there for your creation. Jesus was there for your creation. Psalms 139, I won't read the whole thing. I'll be starting in verse 13. But this chapter is great. It's one of the greatest passages in all literature about the miracle of human conception and birth. So let's read it. Verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me was written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. Where I am awake, I am still with you. When I was a child, my mom was into knitting. And she would come home from work, have dinner, and she would unwind for the night. And towards the end of the evening before bed, she would bring out her knitting kit and she'd sit on the couch. And I remember watching her, she start with like a piece of yarn in her tools, and she would start little by little. Every night she would do it, and at the end of a couple of months, she'd create like a blanket that she'd put on the couch. And my mom loved to do it. She did it with all of her heart. She took her time. That's how the Lord was when he created you and I. He took his time. The Lord didn't create you and I like a factory. One thing I like to watch on the Food Network is when they show a show about how they make things. Pizza, salsa, drinks, chocolate. 
And uh, example like, okay, say you're watching about how they make soda. So you're watching it and they show the empty bottles, they all look the same. And then it goes down the conveyor belt and they fill the soda in and it all looks the same. And then it goes down the conveyor belt and they slap the, the emblem on it, say it's a Coke, they put the Coke emblem, they all look the same. Put the cap on, again, they all look the same. And they put it in the box, they ship it out. And it's nice to watch and it's interesting, but all the Coke looks the same. It's not the way with creation. God created each of us special in his image. And I think about people in their life, in this world today, since the beginning of time, people that, that grow up in hard situations, or people that grow up in, in trials and testings hit them, and, and they look at their life and they say, why am I special? Why is life worth living? Why should I even be alive? People that go through difficult situations, and I think about verses like this, and I tell myself, I hope and pray verses like this reach those people. And maybe if you ever witness to somebody, and maybe you have, maybe you can share Psalms 139 and share how God created you. You're special. He created you because he loves you. He created you because he wants you to, to know he is your creator. He created you to be special, and he created you because he wants you to know you and to be saved. Jesus created all of us. There's no denying it. And he wants everybody to know that. And for those who are here in our audience or listening online where maybe Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, he wants to know that he created you because he loves you. And also he loves you by what he did on the cross and he wants to save you. So Jesus was there at your creation. He was there at your physical birth. So let's continue our walk. My third point. Jesus was there for your spiritual birth when you were saved, when you cried out for salvation. We heard some wonderful testimonies on Wednesday. Everybody that shared was, was beautiful. But they had one thing in common, common denominator. Their parents didn't save them. Their pastor didn't save them. Rick Poonser didn't save them. <laughs> their neighbor didn't. No, Jesus Christ is the one they cried out to for salvation. If there was a moment in your life where you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you probably remember that moment, that desperate moment, that Jesus was there to say, yes, I will save you. So I'm going to read the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. When I first became a Christian, I read this section of Scripture. And it hits me every time I read it. Every spiritual birthday, October 20th, I read it. I got saved on a Saturday at a Revelation seminar at 2.30 p.m. And every spiritual birthday, I read this around that time. Let's read it. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him, Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
Amen. I saw a picture once. It's, it's, I haven't seen it in a while. A family of the church had it. But I remember this picture. It's a black and white picture of the Lord Jesus. It's about 8 by 10 size. And it shows Jesus' face. I think it shows actually up to, from his chest up. And it shows Jesus' face, and his eyes are closed, and his head is bowed, and his hand is wrapped around a sheep. And when you see Jesus, you see his hands, you see the wounds in his hands. Jesus looks so thankful in the picture that he found his lost sheep. It was worth the price because you see the nails, the scars. And the sheep looks so peaceful in his arms. See, dear Christian, when you got saved, you are that lost sheep in this parable that I just read, and you are that lost sheep in that picture. Only Jesus can save a person through his work on the cross. We know Christians the price he paid and how much he suffered. We, we hear it every Sunday, the sacrifice. But don't forget, at your lowest point, Jesus was there, and he saved you. What an intimate picture. I love this picture. If I ever see it somewhere, maybe Hobby Lobby, I'll buy it. But that's the beauty about this picture and this parable is, is that heaven didn't just rejoice for those who became disciples, the, the famous preachers out there or the greatest music artists or those who become famous missionaries. No, the Lord rejoices for everyone who gets saved. For the person who, is, who works the administration for that famous preacher, for the person who sets up the conferences of the concerts so that they may go on, to the person who provides money to the missionaries. It doesn't matter your age, your background, what your calling ends up being. Heaven rejoiced in your salvation. Heaven rejoiced. You know, uh, one thing about the testimonies that it's beautiful is when someone shares, and especially when someone gets choked up, it always hits me, uh, but you see how thankful they are. And oftentimes when it's a child, the bodies were thankful. But the parents are thankful. Like Addie gave his testimony. I think he's upstairs. And don't tell me, Gene and Gilbert, that didn't hit you hard. And you must have rejoiced in his salvation. Heaven rejoiced. Wow. Wow. Jesus rejoiced at your salvation. So I want to ask you today, if you're listening today, there's never a point where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and never a moment that you remember, you never accept, and I pray that God opens your heart and mind, that he wants to save you by what he did on the cross, that he will forgive your sin Amen. and heal you from your life. People go through a lot in their life, but aren't we healed people? Not only are we healed from our sin, but we're healed from our past life. I wouldn't be up here today if Jesus didn't forgive my sin, but also healed me and gave me a new heart. And I know you, a lot of you here today, can say amen to that. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ today, he will do the same for you. Amen. So let's continue our walk. So let's rejoice that Jesus was there at creation. He was there for your physical birth. He was there for your spiritual birth, if you accept him as Lord and Savior. And then he's there as we walk this journey in life. Moment by moment, day by day, just like the songs that we sang today. I got two more portions of scripture I want to share. We know in life we've all had stressful situations. They're not easy. And the taught ones are these, and we know them. But let's think about them because we know they're difficult. Here are the top ones that bring stress in people's life. 
the passing of a family member, a change in marital status, a change in job or loss of job, financial woes, a physical injury or illness to you or your family. I think the hardest one is if your child's going through something. And we've had him in this church. Through these difficult and stressful times, we know Jesus is always with us and given us strength when we have none. And the Bible has many stories that Jesus is there. And we see them. We read them all the time. But I got two of my favorite I'm going to read next. And the first one is John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. I love this story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to jump around. I'm going to start with verses 1 through 5 and then go through 33 through 39. So John chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. And the Bible says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her, Martha's, her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who performed perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When they heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We know in the scripture that Jesus was going to use the situation for his glory. So we know he waited for two days before he went to see them. And when Jesus went to comfort them, and when he arrived, he saw Martha first and then Mary, and, and then Jesus saw Mary and the other people weeping. So let's continue reading, and starting in verse 33 of John chapter 11. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he open the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And we know the rest of the story. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus is not cold-hearted to our pain and suffering or our times when we have these situations of loss. Satan will tell you he doesn't care. And he'll do all he can to bring you down and get you in a dark place. Unsaved people in your life will do the same. It's all lies. Jesus loves you and I. He loved Mar Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Mary and Martha knew it in verse 3. Lord, the one you love is sick. They knew it. See, we see the intimate and close relationship they have with the Lord in this story. And in their time of need, what did they do? They sent for Jesus. They needed his help, his presence, and they wanted him to come. I think there's a lot you can learn from their story, from what they said and how they acted. See, we have to want Jesus to be there. We have to have a desire in our life. When we have a difficult situation. Don't suffer alone. 
Yes, cry if you have to. Get frustrated if you have to. Vent if you have to. But vent with him. Cry at his feet. Say, Lord, I'm angry, I'm upset. Lord, I don't know why you did this. Say all those things. Jesus will be there to listen with compassion. Don't suffer alone when you can have the Savior by your side. Remember that, because I think Christians, sometimes we do that. We get hit and we suffer alone. It's okay to be depressed and sad. We all know that, and we're compassionate to it. But do it with the Lord by your side. Mary and Martha, they did it. And God used the situation for his glory, and God can use your pain for his glory. When we had family losses the last couple of years, I've said that prayer. I still are in the midst of the suffering. Use it for your glory. I'm going to keep on praying it until he does glorify his name through the situation. I think God will honor that. God will honor you through your sadness and your frustration, whatever you have in your life, if you say, Lord, glorify your name through it, sit, pray, and watch what he does. When I was thinking about the relationship that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha had with the Lord, I couldn't help but think about other people in the Bible who had great relationships with the Lord. So let's walk through them. Enoch, Enoch walked for over 300 years, an intimate walk. Moses talked to the Lord as he was a friend. I love that portion of scripture where it says that. The Lord gives courage to people when they're in tough situations. Look what Esther had to do. Stand in front of the king, risk her life for her people as a woman. I always think about her courage. But who was by her side? You know the Lord was. Jesus had a special relationship with John, the disciple. The one that you love, disciple that you love. Jesus, Daniel, uh, David, a man after my own heart. See, I say that this morning because I think to myself, the Lord wants to have those type of relationships with you and I. And it's okay this morning to say, you know what, Lord, I walk with you. Maybe you take walks all the time. I, I know you probably pray all the time when you walk, and you say, Lord's walking with me. It's okay to say, you know what, Lord, he is my best friend. I tell him everything, the good and the bad, the ugly. Because he's my friend. You know, I need to courage the other day at that work meeting to present. And I got through it. And people said, you did a great job. But you know why I did? The Lord is by my side. Jesus, I know you love me. You can stand up on the rooftops and say, it's okay to say, Jesus, I know you love me. And you can say, you know what, Lord? I'm a man or a woman or a child after your own heart. This is not to anoint anybody or to brag or to say that we're godly people at SRVBC. That's not the, where I'm going. Where I'm going is I think we, the Lord wants to encourage us. Now, I know he wants to encourage us to say, you know, you can have that kind of walk with me, Rick. Isn't that beautiful? When we have a desire to have the Lord in our life, we can have all those type of relationships. We can have an intimate walk with him, an intimate life, and that's what Jesus wants for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a soloist, a deacon, an elder, Rick Punzo, I don't care what you do, what your ministries, the Lord wants to have a great relationship with all of us so that we can say, you know, Lord, you are my friend. I walk with you. I'm a person after your own heart. Amen? Amen. One more portion of Scripture. We need to know the Lord's always there in change. And some of the things that we go through in life that are difficult, or difficult situations are a change. 
And I thought about Joshua. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible, and, and I think he's very popular because I believe, Dee didn't speak on him last Sunday, but the two other brothers before him, Mark and Randy, mentioned Joshua in their message. He's popular, so I'm going to share about Joshua. So let's read a portion of Scripture in Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. You know, it's, it's a great portion of Scripture because we know that it was time for Joshua to take the baton from Moses, time to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. But let's listen to the pep talk, the encouraging words the Lord gave him. Because when you have change in your life, you need that pep talk and you need those encouraging words. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, have incredible words. Let's read them. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. This is the Lord speaking to him. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from right to left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't this a great pep talk, encouraging words? When I was meditating about Joshua, I, I couldn't help think about how the Lord always gives pep talk to people. And, and, and in the relationship with Moses and Joshua and the Lord, all three of them, the Lord gave Moses a pep talk at the burning bush. And then Moses, who was such a godly man, when he knew he wasn't going to the promised land, he knew Joshua was going to take over. In Deuteronomy, Moses gave Joshua a pep talk. And then when it was time to actually do it, the Lord gave Joshua a second pep talk. And that's the one part of this scripture to me that touched me, was to have an intimate relationship with the Lord and to feel confident that he's always there in our lives. To know we have that strength and peace we need to do our part. We need to listen to the pep talk. Listen to the encouraging words. And then through those encouraging words, obey what God has to say. Christians, rely on this book always. When there's change and you need a pep talk and encouraging, don't listen to that discouraging person that will come because Satan will bring them. He discourages the speaker before he gets up here. He does. Oh boy, he does. But don't, I don't listen to him. Listen to this. Listen to the pep talk. Listen to the encouraging words and obey them. And Joshua did that and that's why he was successful. Jesus was always there for Joshua. So our time is running short. I hope you enjoyed this walk today with me as he went through five portions of Scripture. The other day, I was having a work meeting with somebody, 
and the person who actually writes my review is my direct manager. And they, they said to me, they've known what's happened in my life, and all of us have gone through things in the last couple of years, and I've had my fair share. And they said, I gotta, and they said, I gotta ask you something, Rick. How are you still standing? How are you still standing? We get hit sometimes. And we wonder how we're standing. They asked that question, and I was gonna respond, because the person knows I'm a Christian, but they answered the question. They said, I know it's God. You know why? Because Jesus has always been here, and he always will be. So let's remember today, and let's hold it in our hearts, because I think the Lord, I know the Lord wanted to hear, hear this message, that Jesus was there from the beginning as our creator. Amen. He was there for your physical birth and watched over you in your mother's womb. If you are a Christian today and asked him into your life, he was there to save you. And if you are not a Christian and don't have that moment, he is there to want to save you today. And then as we walk through this journey of life, because we will get hit, the Lord doesn't come home, could take us home. As we walk this journey, we will constantly have to fight the battle, Christians, and we'll have difficult situations. But it's always a desire to have Jesus there with you. Always a desire to listen to his encouraging words, his pet talk, and always a desire to obey him. And then lastly, maybe this is part two of this message, but let's just be there for Jesus. Let's be there for him. Carry your cross. Be the parent he wants you to be. Be the grandparent he wants you to be. Be the leader he wants you to be. Be the servant he wants you to be. Be the blessing in your neighborhood. Be that Christian that he wants you to be. Be there for him. Because that's why we're living. That's who deserves it. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we... We praise your name. Lord, you're in our presence today. You heard this message. Lord, you're standing by my side now, encouraging me to give this word, because my voice is a little shot today. But you're here saying, I gave you this message. Give it with all your heart. And as we walk out these doors, Lord, each of us, he's with us as we walk out these doors, and we get in our car, he's there with us, and he's there when we go home, and when we go to bed, Lord, your, your eyes are upon us as we sleep, and and when we arise, Lord, your eyes are still there. And as we go into work for those who work and we need your help, you're there. And it's such a beautiful thought to be still and bask in that statement. Jesus, you're always here. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray today that this word was an encouragement and comfort to our brothers and sisters, because it was to me, Lord. Use it for your glory in our lives. And as we walk out these doors, and for those who are at home, that you'd protect us this week, Lord, as we do our errands and do things, and pray for those who are sick, they would feel better and come back, and we can meet it again next Sunday or, or this Wednesday to hear more testimonies. That we'd gather in your name and worship and praise you and continue walking this journey with you, Lord. And again, Lord, we thank you that you're always here. We love you and praise you. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.